Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm I'm working on getting my energy up today. It's very dreary and dark right now. And it's just, you know, I think I need to get a happy light. Oh, I've heard good things about those. You should try it and let us know. I know. I think I need to do it in the morning for like however long, like 10 minutes or whatever they say. Like maybe while I'm looking at my email, just like have it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. If you hear a weird sound in the background... It's my cat's laser pointer toy, and it's keeping him from bugging me to death right now. So if you just hear like a slight hum, I'm so sorry, but it's it's like an automatic laser pointer, and it's a dream come true. It does all the work for me. I also, I have, um, I ordered a faux olive tree, oh. and it should be getting delivered today. So if Neptune freaks out, it might be the FedEx people. So okay, it's just one of those days. It really is. And I see my cat in my video. Okay. <laughs> Well, (laughs) he is going to bug me to death, but let's get into it. All right. So today's podcast episode, it might sound pretty boring, but I think we're going to make it as not boring as possible. And maybe this will be a fun fact for you. When you go to like dinner parties, you can talk to people about how email works behind the scenes because it's something everyone uses, but not a lot of people know much about how it actually works. That's true. And if anything will make it interesting today, it'll be the both of our animals yeah. <laughs> driving us crazy. <laughs> can tell you that right now. We actually had a um, customer call today. It was really fun to kind of talk about the ins and outs of email, how email works. And he was really excited, which made me really excited to be able to talk about it today. Yeah, I was going to say that was one thing that gave me a ton of energy today was talking mm-hmm. to a ConvertKit user about deliverability. And he was so hyped about all of it. And like, he wanted to know, he's like, how does email work? And we were like, okay, this is great. Yeah. Someone cares. So I hope you all care as much. Someone cares. (laughs) Just a note. Also, we're not going to get too in the weeds here. Mm -hmm. Email obviously is extremely technical and you can get a full technical breakdown of how every little piece works. I would search that online, search SMTP if you're interested in those level, that level of detail. Mm -hmm. But this is for the average kind of creator, business owner, whatever you may be, entrepreneur who uses email marketing to reach your audience and you want a better understanding of what actually happens after you click the send button. Mm -hmm. I just say that because I know that we do have some like deliverability in email actual experts, you know, who like to listen to this podcast and I don't want them listening and being like, but what about this detail? You know, it's like, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to get too crazy in the weeds here. I feel like as a like creator sender, it's sometimes nice to have a well-rounded, just like understanding of email, like, and even the technical side, which can be a little bit, a little bit in the weeds, like you said, but I think having that little bit of knowledge along with like your marketing plan and anything else that you have going on, it just helps kind of like create a better understanding of how it all works together. Yeah, totally agree. And once you have this baseline foundation, things like deliverability will make a lot more sense to you. Mm -hmm. And it'll kind of be, it'll feel more like common sense the way that it all works. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's get into it. I'll start with 
doing a really high level overview of the actual email sending process. And I know we've said this before, but I think one thing that surprises a lot of people is that when you click send, the message doesn't just go from you to subscriber instantly. Although it does happen in seconds, there's actually so many steps that happen in that process. And it's more like a back and forth conversation between the sender and the receiver. So in our case, the sender is ConvertKit. So I'm gonna talk about it that way. So I'll go into the conversation a little bit, but I'll make it a little more human because these are two servers, robots talking to each other. So what happens is when you click send on your broadcast or whenever it's time for your sequence to send, ConvertKit sends a message to the recipient's server. So that could be a Gmail, Microsoft, Yahoo server, whatever it may be. And we essentially, it's kind of just like a hello. It's like, hi, I want to send you a message. And the receiver will say, go ahead. Hopefully, that's what we hope they say. And then we ConvertKit is going to say the sender is blank. And that's going to be the creator's sender address, whoever's using ConvertKit. And then the receiver is going to say, okay, great. That sender is fine with me. Then we're going to say, okay, awesome. But the message is going to bob at gmail.com, for example. And then Bob's mailbox writer is going to say, okay, that's a good email address. That's real, hopefully. And then ConvertKit says, all righty, I'm going to send you the message. You ready? And then they say, okay, I'm ready. And then ConvertKit sends the message one line at a time. And then finally, at the end of the uh, message, there's a period that lets the receiving server know that the message is over. And once the message is over, they say, I accept the message. And then ConvertKit says, okay, terminate the session. And they say, okay, closing session. And that's it. So there are a lot of back and forth steps that that message goes through. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of different points where the message could bounce or something could go wrong. But the crazy part is that all of that happens in a matter of seconds, usually. In my mind, it still goes straight to my inbox and nothing (laughs) happens in between, even though I know all these steps exist. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So yeah, it's pretty interesting because after the message has been, or whether or not it's been accepted and delivered is the interesting part, because you're not in the free and clear once the message has been sent. There are some things that can happen there on the receiver side that can cause issues. So messages are either accepted, delivered, or rejected, bounced. So this can look uh, a lot of different ways. A delivery is the most straightforward scenario. This means at the end of the email sending process, the receiving server responded with 250, aka I accept this message, for delivery. At that point, the message is in the receiving server's hands and they can decide where to place the message. So that's the part that is always interesting when customers reach out and say, my emails are going to spam. What can ConvertKit do to make them go to the inbox? We definitely get those kinds of questions sometimes. And um, this is the part where it gets a little tricky. The receiver is deciding based on what they see in the message where and the subscriber's actions, where they want to place that email, whether it goes to spam or the promotions folder based on an algorithm or the inbox. Yep. So interesting. And we'll have a whole section on spam filtering. So we'll get into that and like, how in the world do they decide whether it should go to the inbox or spam? 
But like you said, before it can even do that, mm-hmm. it has to get delivered. Right. And like we talked about in the email sending process section, the message can be bounced at so many different points. So it can bounce whenever we identify who the sender is. They might mm-hmm. say, I don't like that sender, has a poor sender reputation, or this recipient doesn't exist. So bounces are much more complex and they can be temporary or permanent. That's a good point. And they can happen for so many different reasons. Yeah. Even the bounce codes at times are like, even though we can look on our servers and say, (sighs) this is why the email bounce. Sometimes it takes even more investigation than that to be able to figure out what is actually causing the bounce. Yeah. That's so frustrating to me. I wish bounce codes were more consistent. So whenever the receiving server does bounce the message, They do give a reason. However, Mm -hmm. the reasons are not always descriptive. Sometimes they're extremely vague. They just say like failed or rejected. Um, Sometimes they're super descriptive and I'll tell you exactly why. It'll say the DMARC policy, you know, is whatever and DMARC failed. Okay, that's easy. DMARC failed. Right. Sometimes it'll say this user doesn't exist, things like that Mm -hmm. or mailbox full. But sometimes it's just not helpful and that's really frustrating. And so you just, it's a big question mark why the message bounced. Right. It's also possible for receiving servers to defer messages. And this is typically when the receiving server says, try again later, I'm busy. If ConvertKit receives a deferral, we will try sending the email for 72 hours. But if the email is still deferred after 72 hours, it will be logged as a soft bounce. Yep. And so a soft bounce is a temporary bounce. At least that's what it's intended to be. So those kinds Mm -hmm. of bounces are like, you know, the mailbox is full or maybe the content was flagged as spam. And if someone has a soft bounce or sometimes they're referred to as a block, that means the message won't be delivered, but that person is still going to be active in your ConvertKit account unless they have three emails soft bounce in a row. Right. Then we're going to turn them into a hard bounce because at that point, it's a good chance that their email is actually not valid. Right. But some servers will just soft bounce messages forever and ever and ever and never give you a permanent bounce. So interesting how that happens sometimes. I know. I wish there was a lot more uniformity across providers, but they don't have to be. So, you know, it's just whoever is working there and Mm -hmm. setting all of that up, they get to decide what they want their bounce codes to be and how they want to handle bounces. Right. Interesting. So like you mentioned earlier, once an email is delivered, the receiving mailbox provider has to decide where to place the message. And there are so many different factors that help them make this decision. Do you want to tell us what some potential factors are? Sure. So the first one we can kind of go over is um, how is the reputation of the sending domain? And I think we've mentioned this before, I'm sure in a couple of episodes, I'm losing track now because we're, <laughs> we're starting to get so many, but this can mean from address itself. This could also mean the domain that you are sending from. Maybe you have that also linked in the content of your message. That also carries its own reputation. So there are lots of different ways that a reputation itself can be considered when it comes to email placement. But yeah, the reputation of your sending domain. Have you practiced good deliverability? I always say practice deliverability practices, mm-hmm. and that never sounds how I, what I want to say it. Followed deliverability practices? Followed. Best practices? <laughs> yeah, deliverability <laughs> best practices. Or have you had more negative signals than positive signals? And in that case, maybe most of your messages will go to the spam folder. Yep. That's probably the biggest factor these days is the reputation of your sending domain. 
They're also going to look and see, is the message authenticated properly? That's a very important one. For most people using ConvertKit, we take care of authentication completely for you. We have a whole podcast episode about this. Feel free to go look that up about authentication. And if you're using DMARC, that's definitely something you'll want to make sure is passing properly. But authentication is one of those things that's it has to be in place for your message to make it to the inbox. And the good news about that is usually if your messages are not authenticating correctly, it's a pretty easy fix. So yeah. if your emails are going to spam and it's due to authentication, you're usually kind of lucky because <laughs> that's one of the few things that we can easily fix when it comes to deliverability. Unlike maybe your domain reputation. For sure. So the next thing is how do subscribers normally react to these messages? These are, this would be an example of a positive signal, something that is helping your sending reputation. So are your subscribers marking your emails as spam? Are they allow listing your sending domain? Are they clicking within your email, spending time reading through your email? Are they replying? There are so many different ways that a subscriber's actions have an influence on where your email might be placed. Yeah, for sure. And like you mentioned, some of those actions are positive and some of them are negative. So if the receiving server is taking a look at how people normally react, you're going to hope that most people normally react with a positive engagement signal, like an open click, reply, whatever, and that very few people react with a negative signal, like marking the message as spam. Another one is how is the reputation of the sending IP? That's one that has less weight over time, but the IP address you're sending from likely belongs to your email service provider. For example, if you use ConvertKit, then you're using our IPs to send the message. So the good news is that we have an entire team here that is in charge of maintaining the most healthy IP reputation possible. So you're in good hands with that. We give you a really great foundation to send off of. Obviously, you can't make it to the inbox off of our IP reputation alone. I kind of wish you could sometimes because that would be so much easier. But you have to make sure you also have good domain reputation. But that's definitely something that does matter still, just maybe not as much. So if you're a ConvertKit customer, you should be all set there. If you're not a ConvertKit customer and maybe you have a dedicated IP somewhere, then that's something that you are maintaining and you want to make sure to keep healthy. The next one is the reputation of all the links in the message. This is one that I kind of touched on earlier, but those links also hold a reputation. So those can cause your emails to be placed in the spam folder. Yeah. I think this is a really important one that not a lot of people know about, mm -hmm. but make sure that the links you're using in your email, um, you trust those links. Right. Most of the time, the links people use are totally fine. Um, one issue we've seen, and I know we've mentioned lately, is that Gmail is now bouncing all emails that contain a bit.ly link, mm -hmm. B-I-T dot L-Y. And that's because that link is used by so many, so many people. A lot of spammers use it. And so it's not trusted anymore. So you want to make sure that the reputation of any links in your email would be trusted and potentially not shared with a ton of people. Right. And the last thing we're talking about here, I'm sure we could go on and on forever, is is there anything about the content of the message that is being flagged as spammy. This is one of those things I know in a recent episode, we had an email myth about certain keywords aren't going to send you straight to the spam folder. But the content of your message still matters in some ways. Like mm -hmm. we just mentioned with the links, you want to make sure that there's nothing about your content that's causing any red flags and following the patterns of a spammer. Another one we've mentioned lately is 
If you're using an ESP like ConvertKit, you don't want to fully type out URLs and then add a link on top of them to that URL because what happens is whenever the message gets sent from your ESP, that URL actually changes to their tracking link URL. So at ConvertKit, it's something like click.convertkit.com. So what happens is the mailbox providers are like, huh, this person typed out that they're sending you to facebook.com, but actually the link goes to Mm click.convertkit.com. That's suspicious. Why are they trying to mislead people and might send a message to spam or bounce it? So that's just one example of how your content could look spammy and you might not know it. So if you're adding a URL to your message, link to either just some text or a button or something like that. Another good point I think you brought up earlier today about this that I don't think about super often, but as I told you yesterday, I went through my personal email account and I don't know if anyone else listening remembers me saying in a previous (laughs) episode that I had like 28,000 emails. Well, I'm down to like 208. Oh my gosh. I know. It's been like last night I got like addicted to it and I was like, I couldn't stop. That's amazing. I know. I'm finally like clearing out all of my emails, like really, really old stuff I didn't need anymore. Not the point, but... I think people will be proud of me. So um, one thing I noticed is that I had actually a decent amount of phishing emails or what it looked like phishing emails to me. They were definitely not a legitimate sender and they had their content. They didn't have content. They only had a like copy and pasted like image of content in the email. So like when I opened a couple of them, I reported them as phishing because they didn't look right to me, but you could tell that they took like a logo from a well-known like insurance company and they like almost looked like they put it on a word document and then like cut copy and pasted that into an email. So that's another thing too, as far as like, like you said, there's no like, strict rule about like, you need to have this many words exactly, or you can't say this or that. But obviously that person, they didn't have any content at all. It was just an image that was copy and pasted with like all the content in an image, which was so odd. So just wanted to like point that out that you made that comment today. And I was like, oh, I actually saw that when I was going through my emails yesterday. Yep. That's a good one. Make sure you at least have enough text to balance out any images you use because that can look a little suspicious if your text to image ratio is off. So if all those things we just mentioned look okay, the mailbox provider will likely place the message in the inbox. Again, it's crazy that all of those things are being looked at to make a second, you know, decision, a decision Mm -hmm. in seconds to decide to place your message in the inbox or spam. But if any one of those factors we mentioned above is off, the message might go to the spam folder. So be sure to keep all of those factors in mind. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, um, once the message is delivered then you can kind of try and track some information about what a subscriber actually does with the message. So we've talked about open tracking a lot. We can get into how that actually works. How do we know if someone opened a message? Each message contains a tiny one-by-one pixel embedded in the footer of the email. Uh, When I say each message, each message from ConvertKit Mm -hmm. and most other ESPs, obviously not every email in the world has this. (laughs) But when images in the email are loaded, the pixel gets loaded as well, and an open event is logged. However, it's possible for this pixel to be loaded even when the email isn't opened, especially with the new iOS update. Or for the pixel to not be loaded when someone did open it. So we were just talking to a customer today who said he has all of his image loading turned off on his mailbox. So for him, when he opens messages, there are not opens logged because 
his image loading is turned off, so the pixel will not be loaded either. I actually today also, funnily enough, had a customer reach out and say that they were having trouble with a different ESP and they were concerned because their images weren't being automatically loaded in their subscriber's email box provider. And I I happened to mention, you know, that's not just an ESP issue. Like, so it's not just whether or not someone has that turned on or off, but your email box provider wants to optimize the message for you. And so we have seen them not load all of the images if that is like an easier way to view the message. So fun fact, that was a little bit of confusion today for someone. Yeah, that's so interesting. I haven't heard anyone say that before, but that makes sense. That's with your user. That's the setting Mm -hmm. that they probably set up. It has nothing to do with the ESP. But yeah, and I've seen the opposite happen where a mailbox provider will load all images automatically, kind of what Apple's doing. But even I've seen my Gmail do that when I was using an email address that I use with the Gmail app a lot. And I think it was doing that so that my app experience was better and images would be loaded really quickly right when I looked at an email. So all that to say, this open tracking business is not super accurate. As you can see, there are a lot of reasons for it to be inaccurate. And in general, looking at open trends over time is a better way to determine if you're having any deliverability issues. But the way open tracking works these days, it's not helpful for saying subscriber A opened this message and subscriber B didn't open that message because you can't really get that granular anymore with Mm -hmm. it. It could be inaccurate. But again, the trends are still helpful. Right. So clicks are tracked through ConvertKit's link tracking URL. Like we mentioned earlier, so any links you include in your email will be modified so that they are initially ConvertKit links. Whenever your subscriber opens the email, they're going to see all ConvertKit links and those links reroute to the end destination URL. And that's in place because it's the only way we can tell you what your click rate is and things like that. If you have a tag set up where it will tag everyone who clicks a link, this is the only way we can implement that is by using our link tracking URL first. Mm -hmm. So that's why that's in place. I feel like I was going to say something else about that. Hmm. I was going to maybe bring up automatic link clicks. I don't know if that was something we were going to talk about. We don't have to go down there. It's not, but let's get into it. Okay. So that was one thing I was going to bring up just because we kind of talked about how even like B2B addresses can sometimes if they have really strict spam filtering, they can check those links and sometimes look like those links are being clicked, but they're actually not. And it's usually, I would say, unless, Alyssa, correct me if I'm wrong, it's usually pretty easy to tell that this is happening. If you have a list that has a lot of B2B addresses or .edu, .org domains, then oftentimes you will see like a higher number of clicks on certain links, but they'll be very similar in in numbers. Yeah, that's definitely a tricky problem that a lot of people are running into and not just ConvertKit users. This is happening Mm -hmm. all over. And there's not much that senders can do about it. There are a few best practices. So we have a blog post about this. We have a podcast episode about this. Highly recommend looking those things up. We'll put them in the show notes, but we have some a few recommendations we can make to at least help reduce those some. Mm -hmm. What I was going to say is just a random fun fact that I think is so cool. And whenever a lot of people hear about it, I feel like I've seen on Twitter, people think it's so cool because the way our link tracking works and the fact that 
all of your emails have ConvertKit links in them initially. If you are a pro plan user, ConvertKit Pro, there's a really awesome feature where you can actually edit a link after the email gets sent, Mm. which we've seen save so many people's days because they will send out an email and put the wrong link in Mm -hmm. or, you know, have a typo or something. And that's so sad when that happens because then your email is just potentially ruined if it was the big call to action. But with ConvertKit Pro, even after the email is sent, you can go edit that link and it'll change it in people's inboxes. It'll forward them to the correct link. So that's a really cool feature. I actually, it's so funny um, that you're bringing that up. I told my boyfriend the other day, we, we went skiing and the email wasn't loading properly. And he had mentioned something like, oh, well, they can't change the link after that it's been sent anyways. And I was like, well, guess what? Actually, in ConvertKit, if you're a ProPlan user, you can. And he was like, he was, his mind was blown. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. One of my favorite features to tell people about. But okay, we'll go next into another data point you can get after the email is sent. And that is a spam complaint. And it happens through a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're talking about a spam complaint, that's when someone has marked your message as spam sad face. But this happens through a feedback loop. Unfortunately, another sad face, not all mailbox (laughs) providers offer a feedback loop, which really is such a bummer. For example, Gmail and iCloud don't have feedback loops. So if like a Gmail user marks your messages spam, there's no way to know that they did, unfortunately. But for a lot of other mailbox providers like Microsoft, Comcast, Yahoo, etc., We can learn if a subscriber has marked your messages spam via the feedback loop. And what that does is it allows mailbox providers to report back to ConvertKit whenever a subscriber clicks mark a spam. Then in ConvertKit, we mark the subscriber as complained and they are then in inactive state. They can't receive emails from you any longer, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Trust me, you don't want those people getting your emails once they've marked you as spam. Right. And obviously they don't count towards your total subscriber count that you're billed for. Bounces don't either, just so you know, like a hard bound subscriber Mm -hmm. does not count towards your subscriber count. So yeah, that's how complaints work. It's this really cool feedback loop system that we have set up with the mailbox providers that offer it. And that I think is one of the most useful data points that any email marketer has access to. I would agree. That's a good point. (laughs) Hopefully all of that was somewhat helpful to explain how email works behind the scenes. It's, it really does highlight how many different moving parts, moving parts. Yeah. How many people are involved? Yeah. I shouldn't say people. It's more like like stakeholders. Yeah. Just, it's not as easy. The hardest thing I struggle with sometimes to explain to customers actually, I think are bounces because it's not always obvious, especially for new senders, like who's doing the bouncing So hopefully, yeah, just like being able to break down every step of email in general will help highlight how it all works together because it's definitely not a to and from easy send one sided piece of mail just going. I mean, you've used the example before, too, Alyssa, like even with the post office, when you take a a letter to the post office, it's not just being like magically delivered (laughs) instantaneously to that person. It's going through a lot of work to get there, especially right now with like the lack of workers. I tracked a package the other day that went from Florida to Washington, and I was laughing about how many places it had to stop on the way here. And in a way, it's it. It's obviously much slower, but it's interesting to think about email in that way. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I totally agree. I think that's one of the best outcomes from this episode is that at least maybe you have a better understanding of how complex email is. And whenever you do have a subscriber bounce or, you know, someone says their message went to the spam folder, it'll 
feel a little more like, okay, like I get that there's a lot of moving pieces going in here. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look. Let's not panic, but let's take a look. And hopefully you'll just feel more equipped to understand what's going on. Knowledge is power. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I feel. It just helps me feel better about it. Yeah. I think so too. I think the more you know about this, especially if you're the kind of person who is making a bunch of money off of emails, Mm -hmm. which um, a lot of people are, that's our whole goal at ConvertKit is that you're earning a living from your emails, from your products that you're selling, things like that. So when something is like the cornerstone to your business, Mm -hmm. as a customer we talked to today said it was for him, you should kind of have a, a general understanding of how it works. I think that's helpful. Before we go, I'm going to mention one more time. Well, I'll probably mention this every episode that we have a new newsletter. <laughs> it's only monthly, so you won't hear from us very often, but we will send you the latest convert kit deliverability stats, figure out what the average open rate is for our users and things like that, as well as any podcast episodes, blog posts, tips and tricks, things like that. So go sign up if you haven't already. The sign up is deliverability.ck.page. And we will hopefully make it very helpful and useful to you. It's like an all-in-one has everything you need right there. Yep. And it's a good place for you to reply and give us feedback if you'd like. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you know by listening to this podcast, but we want to learn how to do better always. And we want to know what's helpful to you. So feel free to respond to any of those messages. It goes actually straight to my email address. So I would love to hear from you. Cool. All righty. Hope you all have a great week. We'll see you next time. See you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.